Good morning. Welcome to our Sunday morning Facebook Live. And I hope that you're safe, you're healthy. I hope that uh, uh, God has been good to you. And I know that if you're able to watch this morning, that He has. He has blessed you, and I hope you realize that. As we begin our broadcast or our service this morning, let's remember in prayer all of the events that are taking place across our country. There have been some unnecessary death. There have been a lot of things that have rocked our nation. And out of that violence has spawned more violence. And things are really tense right now. But you know what? It doesn't have to be that way. Jesus calls us to be peacemakers. In Matthew chapter 5, he says, Blessed are the peacemakers. Church, it isn't our place to get involved in the, in the, the, the violence and things that are going on. Protest, if you feel like you may, protest peacefully with the desire to accomplish peace. Let justice run its course. It will. God will have his justice through our system. We can be, we can be confident in that. Not based on my word, but based on on the word that we have written in our possession. I'm not going to spend a lot of time with it, but I did want to address it. There's a many others, there are many others, pastors and Christians alike who are addressing it. Some, I believe, in a legitimate, sincere manner, Others, I must say, I believe they're addressing it with an agenda. And I will leave that determination and how it's dealt with in God's hands. I will lead a prayer for peace in this nation. I will lead a message of the gospel for all. I will continue to pray for my brothers in law enforcement and in the criminal justice system and in the prison system. I will continue to pray for those who are victims of violence, who are victims of bad people, whether they're wearing a uniform, a badge, or street clothes, whether they are victims of violence from any person in any walk of life. I will continue to pray for our nation, for the sick, for the relief of the COVID-19. My prayer requests reach out to each one of you, and I hope you're sharing your request. And I'm not naive enough to think that all of you are going to agree with my position on all of these things. I'm not naive enough to think all of you are going to agree with the Bible's position on all of these things. But I stand on the Word of God. 
And I stand on it firmly. And I stand on it boldly. And I want to encourage the church to do so. To join me. To join me in becoming a peacemaker. A peacemaker that leads others to Christ. That leads others to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. That leads others to see the righteousness of humanity and not the unrighteousness. I hope you've shared your prayer request. I hope and pray that God meets the desires that are closest to your heart. With that said, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Then we will go to Mark chapter 1 and we'll begin with verse 14. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the grace and the mercy that you've extended this coming this previous week. Heavenly Father, thank you for the grace and the mercy you're going to extend in the week ahead. Lord, I know that there have been many things that have happened this week that have disappointed you, that are contrary to your word, that are contrary to your will. But Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll touch hearts and lives. I pray for the peace of the Holy Spirit and the moving of it, pointing us to Jesus Christ. I pray that it will move across this land in a mighty revival. I pray that the church would be emboldened to stand on your word. And Lord, I pray that the church would take lead in this country without concern of political parties, without concern of agendas, Heavenly Father, that we would take the lead based on and standing boldly on the word that you have given us. Lord, I pray as we see things unravel around us, we could see and be part of a revival. We could see it move. Lord, I pray for the law enforcement officers. I pray for the correction officers. I pray for the men and women wearing the military uniforms today. Lord, I pray for all of our doctors and scientists and first responders. Lord, I pray for the citizen. The citizen that walks in the local stores to shop. I pray that you would help them. You would build a hedge about them. You would keep them safe from the violence that the devil is pulling up and stirring up among our nation and among our people. Lord, I pray that you would keep them safe from the virus that is looming through our nation. Lord, I pray that you would encourage families and you would strengthen them. I pray for the inspiration of the encouragement of knowing that you're still on the throne. Lord, I pray that your word does not return to you void. Lord, I pray that it accomplishes everything you have purposed it to do. Lord, I ask that I would, I would decrease so you could increase. Hide me behind the cross so the cross 
could be seen by all. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As I said, we're going to be in Mark chapter 1. And we're going to begin in verse 14. We're going to take a look at the first Galilean ministry of Christ and really get a good in-depth look at his entire ministry in really two sentences. Join me in verse 14. Now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Now as he walked by the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little further, thence he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, who also were in a ship, mending their nets. And straightway he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants and went after him. As we begin today, I want to go back to my last message last Sunday. And I want to take us back to the end of that. Jesus was in his temptation. His 40, 40 days, 40 nights of temptation. He was there with the devil. And the devil was tempting him and the angels were ministering to him. And all of that was taking place in the life of Christ. And with that picture, I want to take you back to Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Why do I begin there? Why do I go back to last week? We have to understand Jesus. We have to get beyond our perception of the imaginary Christ that we have in our minds. We have to get beyond that. We have to go into the scriptures and we have to see through God's word who Jesus really is. He is fully God and he is fully man. He was tempted 40 days in the wilderness by Satan. And he was tempted of all of the infirmities that we suffer. Now that doesn't mean every individual detail of everything, but he was tempted of lust. He was tempted of pride. He was tempted of arrogance and conceit. He was tempted of the riches of this world. He was tempted in all ways that we are tempted. You're tempted, I'm tempted every day. Yet Christ never failed. That puts on display his full godliness, his deity. 
so in all of that temptation, he knows firsthand what we deal with. And he defeated it. So now John has been preaching and he has he has went to Herod and he has conflicted Herod person to person, face to face. Herod had been in an incestuous relationship with his niece. John called him out. He called him an adulterer. He called him a pedophile. He called him a fornicator. He he embarrassed Herod in front of the entire civilization. And Herod's, his niece, wanted John in prison. So Herod threw him in jail. And you know the story of John the Baptist, I'm sure. John, while he was in jail, Herodus was not going to be satisfied with anything except John's head on a silver platter. That hasn't happened yet. But John is in prison for what? For preaching the truth. Christian, this goes beyond the pulpit. It must begin in the pulpit. But it must also go into the pew. We cannot expect a revival to sweep through this land until we first have the spiritual backbone to stand on the truth of God's Word. It doesn't matter about politics. It doesn't matter about a political party. It doesn't matter about a personal agenda. It doesn't matter about our personal beliefs. If there is sin, we must confront it and we must let God's Word speak about it as it is written. That doesn't mean a person can't be trusted or used or anything, but it means that if we're going to be the body of Christ, we have to call out sin through God's Word regardless. How are we going to see the Holy Spirit move and work in people's lives? if we don't truthfully confront them with what's going on? Are we so interested in an agenda, a political party, that we will let someone die in sin and go into an eternal hell because we had rather, we had rather pander to their political interests We'd rather pander to their agendas. We'd rather pander to their popularity. What does that do to us as a witness? What does it do to us as the body of Christ? I see this happening daily across America. I see it happening in the lives of Christians. We're entitled to have our points and our our opinions and we're entitled to have our vote but we're not entitled to excuse sin and sadly we I see that happening 
So, so Christian, we, we, we can take a, an example from John the Baptist. And if necessary, die for what the Word of God says. Die for that. You see, John the Baptist, he could have, he could have just recanted. He could have just recanted his statement and just told Herod and Herodus, look, it's up to y'all. Y'all, why y'all lives between you and God. And he would have got released and John could have went on to another town and continued his preaching and, and all of that. But that would not have satisfied God. When we start apologizing for the Word of God, we diminish its influence. From the very onset in this passage, we see the authority of the Word of God. And we see the practical place of it. John was put in prison and then come Jesus into Galilee and he was preaching the kingdom of God. Jesus wasn't preaching his own personal thing. Jesus wasn't preaching popularity. He wasn't preaching health and wealth. He was preaching the word of God. He was preaching as the word of God. The kingdom. Verse 15. He was saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. That's one sentence that Jesus said that defined his ministry. Not just for Galilee, but it defined his ministry from that point forward to the ascension to heaven. He was preaching the kingdom of God. He was preaching repentance. And he was preaching the gospel. He carried right on with where John was before he had been in prison. John was preaching repentance and he was baptizing in repentance. Christ wasn't. He didn't need to. He was the one that we needed to repent to. That is part of the gospel message. That is the beginning, the first step. Repentance to Christ. Repentance from where we are to where we need to be. There has been a very popular movement in our nation today. A popular movement that says... All I have to do is just make an appearance and raise my hand, and that's enough. It is if you've repented. It is not if you haven't. Understand repentance. There is no salvation without repentance. There is no forgiveness of sin without repentance. We have to understand and recognize our sin. Think of that. We have to recognize it. 
in our life, in our heart. We, we don't have a problem recognizing someone else's sin. But what I see is a problem recognizing our own sin. And I'm not talking about just being able to say, Oh, preacher, I'm a sinner. I'm talking about identifying those sin in our life that has to be repented of. And doing it. We too often want to, we want to gloss over it and we want to justify it. There is no justifying sin because it is unrighteousness in God's eyes and there is no unrighteousness justified before God. None. That is difficult. It is difficult. Because it requires us to take a look at ourselves, a long, hard look, and to see ourselves the way God sees us. And to see ourselves the way God wants to see us. When Christ says to repent, He wants us to see ourselves as He sees us. He wants our neighbor to see themselves as He sees them. And then He wants us to believe the gospel. He wants us to believe the good news. The Evangelion. He, he wants us to know that as we see that sin and as we repent of it, there's forgiveness. There is forgiveness for all of it. Now that doesn't mean the forgiveness is going to erase all the consequences of it. But it means there will be forgiveness of that sin that we repent of. And that's something that we need to experience fresh and new in the church. And it is something an entire generation or two out there is failing to even see because they're not hearing the truth of it being preached. And it breaks my heart. Because there are people that are living living a false sense of security. There are people that are walking around thinking they're saved when in reality they're not because they've never repented of their sin. They've only sought ways to justify it. Repent. Repent. And believe the gospel. I talk to people frequently and I hear over and over again, preacher, I've done too much. Christ will never forgive me. They, they, they've not gotten to a point where they can believe the gospel. I want you to understand it doesn't matter what you've done. Murder. Rape. Pedophilia. Lying. Stealing, cheating, whatever it may be, you can repent. 
and you can be forgiven. Now again, it doesn't mean your consequences are going to change, but you can be forgiven spiritually. And you can begin a new life in Christ. Believe the gospel. The gospel. Believe it. Not me. Believe it. Not any other out there. Believe this. As we go through Mark's, Mark's gospel, we're going to unfold the gospel. And I hope you join me as we do because Jesus says to believe it because to believe the gospel after repentance is salvation. You can repent. You can believe you can be saved. And what does that mean? Well, let's move down to the second sentence that's so important in this passage. Verse 17. He says to Simon and Andrew, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. When we repent, when we believe, when we experience the saving grace of Jesus Christ and His mercy, we follow Christ. We follow Him. It's not a choice that we would make. See, Jesus didn't ask or didn't say decide or make a decision. He said come. He said to come. You see, when we accept, when we believe the gospel, when we accept Christ, when we're born again, when we have that new life, Jesus says, come, and we follow him to become fishers of men, to become ministers, to become the body of Christ, to share that gospel that we believe. It's not just a pastor. It's not just an evangelist. It's, it's not just a missionary. It's not just a Sunday school teacher. It is everyone that is the body of Christ that is called to come and be a fisher of men. Each one of you today who are listening, who know Jesus, you are a fisher of men. You have an influence in someone's life. It may be one person. I want to share a story with you real quickly. There is an inmate at the prison I work at. This inmate, he he is trying to get accepted into a seminary program in another prison. And this inmate, will, he will more than likely, he stands a good chance of dying in prison. He will be in his mid-70s before he's released. And he knows this. But he told me when we were talking about it, he said, Terry, he said, there's one person out there for me to reach. And it may only be one, and I want to know how to do that. He is wanting to learn how to become a fisher of men. He is wanting to take that next step. It may be an inmate. 
It may be an officer. It may be someone else inside the organization or inside the system. But he knows that there's at least one that he is supposed to influence. That he is supposed to present the gospel with. He wants to know how. And I'm not trying to sell anyone on seminary. All I'm wanting to make a, make a point to you is this. When you are called to come and to become fishers of men, there should be a burning in your heart to find a way to learn how to do that. There should be a burning in your heart to be concerned about the souls of people. Not just their skin color, not just their background, not just their politics, not just their denominations, their soul. Because that's what we'll live for in eternity. They will eventually have a glorified body, but it will be their soul that we need to be in search of. When Jesus came preaching the kingdom of God, he came preaching that he is the word of God and that he is bringing that kingdom personally into the beginning of the end. It is a physical kingdom and it is a spiritual kingdom and it begins in a spiritual sense with salvation. It's being saved by grace through faith in Christ and Christ alone. And then as time marches on, it will move into a physical sense, into a physical reality. Friends, the gospel is a powerful tool for the soul. It isn't something to be weaponized. It isn't something to be pandered. It isn't something to be compromised. It is something to boldly proclaim as a child of God, as a saint of God, as a part of the body of Christ because it means something that influenced us because we know we were able to repent and we know we believe the gospel we know our name is written in the Lamb's book of life and we know we have become fishers of men and we know what it means and we want others to share it. If you're listening today and you know that you haven't accepted Christ, you know you haven't repented you know that you need to complete this. You can accept Christ right where you're at. You can repent right where you're at. God is real. He, the Holy Spirit, is working in your heart and life. Church member, you want that revival? Are you willing to do what is necessary for it to begin in you today, right now? Because that's where we have to get. I'm going to pray. And as I do, as I do, I want you to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life. I want you 
be able to say, you have repented and you believe the gospel. And you are ready to become a fisher of men. That's the words of Christ. That is the beginning of His ministry and it is the beginning of yours. And it can begin today. If, if you begin the way Christ has laid it out. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the message. And Lord, I know that it is your words. I know that it is your message. I know that it is your gospel. Lord, I know that I need it in my life. I know there are others that need it in their life. Lord, I pray for all. I pray that you would look at all of our lives. I pray that you would accomplish your will in them and through them. Lord, may some lost soul be saved today. May some church member realize the revival in their heart today. May today begin an awakening and a revival in this nation. Lord, we'll be careful to praise, honor, and glorify you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us. May God bless you in the coming week. Get in touch with me for prayer requests throughout the week. I'm praying throughout the week. Let me know how God is moving in your life. It's an inspiration to me. Until next service, may God bless you this night.